Nathan. Hot day here in Maryland. It is. It's uh hottest day of the year so far? I don't even know, but man, it's, it's like it's, oven out there. Yeah. It's sweltering. 106, 107 real feel out there. Is it going to cool down? I haven't looked at the weather. It is. It's supposed to. We're supposed to get a, uh, a thunderstorm that's going to break this up a little bit and Tonight? drop us. Uh, I believe so, yeah. Oh, that'd be Tonight awesome. or tomorrow. All right. So we're supposed to a little bit cooler, I think, into the 80s on uh, on over the weekends. So. Just so that thunderstorm doesn't happen when I'm riding my moto I back know, up right? I-95 <laughs> here in a few minutes. Ouch. Yeah, that 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 would be unpleasant. You know, when rain hits, when raindrops hit you at seventy miles an hour, they really sting, man. Yeah, I can imagine. It hurts. Thankfully, I've never been in that situation. Well, no, I take that back. I have been in that situation once when I was on a roller coaster. Uh-huh. It was fifty miles an hour, and it just started raining, uh-huh. so they finished out the roller coaster, got everyone off in the rain. Yep. But uh, thankfully, I have not had that experience uh, on multiple occasions. I get with the bike, you probably have. Lots of times. And a few times I've been uh, hunkered down under a bridge, but freezing because the temperature drops and you're soaking wet. So literally jumping up and down, running back and forth, trying to stay warm. 60 degrees gets awful cold when you're wet. It does. And special guest joining us, Greg Dutcher. Greg, what's going on, man? What up, homies? Special guest. Emphasis I'll tell you, on that special. Feels weird, doesn't it? I, I know. This. Yeah. this, I hope our listeners will not think this too. Uh, will not consider this sacrilege. It's certainly not intended. <laughs> this is the this is the first podcast where I say Steve must increase. <laughs> and I must decrease. Just tell them all. Uh, I loved it, man. I'm thinking. Look at Harlan getting the top billing and me coming in a little later. Just tell them all it was not a it was not a hostile takeover, right? That's right. No, no, it was a pleasant merger or what merger acquisition, whatever the right something term like is. that. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to tell you guys that I'm. Uh, I know Nathan, you said uh, it gets a little bit toasty where you are because you've got to cover the vents. Yeah. Um, so it doesn't provide too much background noise. And I want to tell you guys, I'm identifying with you right now by drinking a nice cold sam adams summer ale uh in my nice air-conditioned room i'm I'm feeling for you guys right now wow just Um, thanks for uh, i am thanks for that be warmed and filled comment (laughs) that's right right. i'm gonna put my faith in action through other ways tonight that's right things like empathy and kindness oh Oh, that's funny. Man. Well, the hope is that uh, this is only temporary. The hope is that we're going to move down into that uh, to that second bedroom in the basement come the fall, and that'll that actually, you know, it doesn't matter if you have the the vents open or not. That's about ten degrees Sweet. cooler down there. Cool. So, um, yes. Of course, that also means in the winter time, it's you know about ten degrees cooler too. So. That's fine with me. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So today's topic, Greg, it's funny because we try to have you on um, when Steve and I did the one on creeds and a lot oh, of I would have loved to have done that. Yeah. Just had to do with the fact that, you know, for the past two and a half years and particularly in the past six months um, on this podcast, we have been uh, essentially fighting against um, the overemphasis of uh, creeds. Uh, maybe overemphasis isn't the right word, but the the importance that is put on yeah. creeds and um you know steve you and i just did one where we talked about you know maybe it's time for an update maybe it's time for an update in language maybe it's time for an update in um uh the social context in which we find ourselves you know we read that section on marriage which you know addressed um issues within um 
homosexuality, but really, you know, it didn't address any issues where we have this transgender. Dude, what are you eating? What are you doing? <laughs> is, that, is that slurping your Sam Adams? Oh, no, no, I'm not, guys. That's weird. I'm just sitting here. So you guys are hearing a sound? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a bag of chips or something. <laughs> weird, weird. You know what? I wonder if it's because I got you on my headphones. Hold on, let me... Let me pop out of these because I'm I'm not actually my uh, beer is sitting on the floor here. Hold on. Here you go. Is 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 that any better? Yeah, I mean, well, it's just like it came and went. It went, yeah, and then it was gone a couple of times. Weird. I wonder if that is my AC or something. Because I'm no, I'm just no. It was pretty loud. You you would have heard it. It was very distinct. Weird, man. Weird. No, no. I've uh, I had you on my headphones because I could hear you a little better. Then that that might have thrown it off. Oh, okay. yeah, I mean, you can you can put your headphones in. That's fine. It was just uh, – I'm sure that had nothing to do with it. It was just uh, odd. Um, anyway, uh, you know, so just this idea that, you know, in today's context, in today's society, we are dealing with these issues of uh, transgenderism. And so, um, you know, to me, that would be an important um, creedal point to, to, to make mention of, you know. And so basically saying that creeds are unalterable – uh, kind of leaves us stuck. It leaves us set in the past without um, really, you know, uh, focusing on the present day culture and society in uh, scripture addressing those things. Um, but today we're talking about uh, something that you find in the creeds, but also uh, a topic that I have increasingly been dealing with in personal conversations with people, and that is uh, church discipline. And so, Greg, we couldn't get you in on the creeds one, but we definitely uh, are glad that we got you in on this one. Um, so church discipline. And uh, guys, since I'm not a pastor, I really don't care and don't have anything to do with it. So I'm going to turn it over to you two. <laughs> no, wait a minute. Uh, the, the joy. Dude, you're like Lieutenant Weinberg and a few good men. I have no responsibilities here whatsoever. That's right. Um, that is the best place I, to I be. I think of myself yeah. more as uh, Sergeant Schultz. I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I see nothing. I see nothing and nothing. <laughs> Perfect, dude. Perfect. Um, but no, I you know I do. I want to get um, the the pastoral outlook on church discipline because for me, I almost feel like as a member of the congregation, unless it's directly affecting me or unless it has to do with me in in a specific context uh, honestly i don't really think it's too much of my business Uh um and i'll let you guys talk to that as well because uh you know maybe maybe you have some other thoughts on that and maybe it maybe i should be more in tune and maybe it should be my business um so guys take it away man man so so greg Yes. <laughs> so, so Greg, yes. I'm going to assume that your church, Christ Fellowship, uh, does practice, if need be, or has practiced some form or other of church discipline, correct? That is correct. Uh, I would say, uh, admittedly, it's, well, I don't want to get too too much ahead. For the most part, it's been theoretical um, in that we haven't taken it uh, the, the full way that I think, uh, Matthew 18 would, would lay out. But, uh, yeah, we, we've, so we've talked about it before. We just had an elders retreat recently where it came up. Uh, and, uh, we were just sort of talking about it and, um, said, yeah, it's, it's something we, we would do. And I think you would say the same, Steve. Yeah, we would. Um, we actually, 
Uh, we, we need to rewrite our entire church constitution. It's a uh, you need a lawyer and two secretaries to work your way through it. it it's really <laughs> yeah, it's an yeah. amazing document that you can barely use. It's so long and detailed. But we have quite a section on church discipline, way too big in my opinion. Uh, wow! But uh, in fact, as an aside, one of the one of the dangers of having that in your kind of creedal documents, you know, constitution is up there with a creed, I guess, is that when you come to a case of church discipline, I have found again and again and again, people turn to the document, uh, not to the Bible, not to a fresh look at the relevant passages, but to the document. Let's see, what did we write down for this kind of circumstance? Uh, oh, yeah, right, we'll do right. this, we'll do that, we'll do the other. Cause this, that. And I really object to that. I'd like us going back to Scripture, fresh look at the passages, not back to a document. So when we rewrite our Constitution, uh, we're supposed to start doing that in January, um, yeah. uh, I'd like, hey, I'm not the final voice. I won't have the final say on this, but I would like to see a very brief statement about church discipline. Church discipline will be practiced according to the principles in the following passages, list the passages, right. period, end. Yeah. And then we'll wrestle with that and pray over that anytime we really have to. But yeah, we have had cases where we've had to go the whole route and actually excommunicate a couple of people here and there. Uh, yeah. and then we've had other lesser lesser things like you referred to where you started down that path, but it ended because the person straightened out or whatever. Yeah. We yeah. would do it. What do you think? No. What do you, uh, think? Do you well, think? Do you think many evangelical churches today have or would practice church discipline? What's your guess? Yeah, I would say no. I think the majority of them. I agree. Don't do them or if they, if they embrace it, it's uh, kind of in name only. I do know of a church, a pretty prominent church in uh, our central Maryland area, um, <laughs> where uh, one of their pastors there wasn't their lead pastor, but yeah, he. I have no doubt he was speaking for the whole. He's a he's a good guy. He's a man of integrity. Um, told me uh, in no uncertain terms they just decided years ago they they weren't going to do it. And, really, <laughs> just like that. It, it, we just decided we're of, not going to do it. Yeah, it threw me off a little bit because yeah. I, he he didn't seem to recognize the at least how it impacted me immediately the weight of what he was saying. And wow. I said, "Okay." And I did kind of joke back. I said, "So if the Bible says preach the gospel to lost people, <laughs> would you would you decide not to? and he kind of got yeah, got my my drift and I knew that wasn't where they were coming from. It was when, when he laid it out, and, and I'll say this, Steve, and I, I'm curious to get your take. Um, it was hard to argue with what he said, uh, other than the, the basic premise. Uh, I can never say, hey, I think the Bible says something pretty clearly, but we're not going to do it. Yeah, I have a problem with that. But um, when he laid it out, uh, a lot of it was um, they didn't really have an ironclad membership uh, uh, in place. Um, they had had membership at one time and then they moved away from it and sort of made it more informal. Everybody's kind of a member. And then he told me of a friend of his who pastored in Virginia where they, uh, their founding charter purposely, um, uh, included sort of a, there will be no membership in this church. Uh -huh. And it was because of the thorny legal complications of trying to remove somebody from a nonprofit, you know, joined by association or volunteer, uh, you know, kind of association. Um, 
so that that was interesting when when he laid it out for me. He did raise a couple of interesting points, and uh, I, I thought I'd throw those out tonight. One was, uh, what do you do in this day and age when in all likelihood, by the time you get deep into that process and you've invited other elders, other leaders, maybe before you would take it to an even wider audience, um, in most cases, he asked me, Greg, wouldn't you agree most people just leave at that point? They've already found another church by then. Yep. They've either self-terminated their own membership. Or they've said, oh, you can do whatever, but I'm not here. You can put on a show, but I'm going to go down the street. I'm going to go across town. I'm going to join this church. Yep. Uh, different denomination, different structure. The leaders might not know each other, et cetera. He raised a number of practical obstacles, which I'm sure that we'll, we'll talk about tonight. I, I will say the thing that stood out to me is it does seem if the person is receptive to the correction, to the rebuke, uh, you know, then that's great. If they're not, they're likely, and would you agree with this, Steve, the kind of people that are going to self-terminate and bail on you anyway? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So well, in, in that sense, he thought uh, the, the discipline process was almost like he was saying, well, it doesn't work in our current culture and setup. Ha- however, counterpoint, uh, yeah. ha- having had a number of cases of church discipline, uh, some of which went all the way to excommunication, we never once had a person bolt. Wow. They had, really? a lot, they had a lot of relationships, a lot of friendships, a lot of capital invested in the church, and they wanted to stay there. So they tried to work their way through it, and even when they were removed by excommunication, they wanted to stay in touch with people, and they came back later. Interesting. Huh. They really back, they interesting. Came, they came back later and said, I can't think of an example where, where they didn't come back later and say, you guys were right. Thank you. I repent. Mm. I'm ready to come back and be restored. Would you have me? And stuff like that. Wow. Steve, I mean, that's incredible. I mean, I mean that. That is awesome. I, I, maybe it's just, uh, dude, maybe you've got an S on your superhero <laughs> pastor. <laughs> that, that, I wish I, it would apply to other yeah. things if I do. <laughs> but I um so I'd argue against the guy in in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. I, maybe in a you know theirs is a huge church, right? I guess I know who you're talking about. It's a huge church. It was. And yeah. uh the pastors would have very little to no relationship with possibly the sending member. So um it would be easier to just disappear over there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to, yeah. to your point, Greg, of what you said, you know, um that you know, you said the church discipline, you know, would either you know be effective in in bringing the person, but isn't? I mean, that's the purpose of church discipline is for restoration. Exactly. At the end oh, of the absolutely. day, church discipline isn't to excommunicate someone. It's to no. It's to make someone who is, uh, I, I mean, essentially, I would say, blinded in their sin to yeah. confront their sin and to repent of it and to turn from it. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, dude. I think that's the most important thing. In fact. Uh, when I do our members class at CFC, it's always a little awkward, but I'll, and Steve, you're in the same boat. We're kind of unique. We're, we're both in pretty much elder led churches, mm-hmm. um, that aren't, you know, congregational where they're voting on everything under the sun, uh, all the time. So sometimes people ask a very natural question in our context. And that's, that's, what's the practical benefit of being a member 
uh, you know, because it's almost hard to understand being a member if you don't have something, uh, ability to vote, special access to certain meetings or information. You don't so give them I, that pin they can wear on their lapel? Right. <laughs> I was going right. to say, I don't get 20% off my T-shirts. <laughs> yes, yes. I do give pictures of me, but when we stopped including darts, it wasn't as popular an item. So, uh, you know, I will often say uh, in our membership class, we have a little section on membership uh, and kind of where it comes from. I'm not trying to get us in, in, into that too much, but um, sort of an apologetic for membership. Yes, since there's no chapter and verse that, you know, uh, explicitly says thou shalt be a member, we sort of talk about why do we have this? Why do we understand membership as a healthy way of, of connecting to the church at the deepest level? And I'll always sell one of the benefits, to your point, Nathan, is that you're now eligible for church discipline. Uh, <laughs> you know, there are always a few uncomfortable reactions, and I try to sell it with a little bit of uh, And that's when they option. say, well, then, I'll join right now. Right. Exactly. Sign exactly. me up. The, the question, will anybody join after that class? And then I proceed to tell them what you just said, Nathan, that this means that you're committing to a group of people uh, with leaders who love you, care for you, are invested in your spiritual health, and we're going to pursue you, you know, is, is how we try to say it. And we say those passages, Matthew 18, Second uh, Corinthians, where Paul talks about how you should have put this man out, uh, you know, that his flesh might be destroyed. He might be saved uh, in the uh, in the day of judgment. Uh, we, we, we speak of these things because the goal is restoration, that you're loved. And, you know, I, I don't want overplay it i'm not saying pastors or parents but there's a there's a connection there paul makes that point in first thessalonians he uses you know mom imagery and dad imagery to talk about the way leaders should care for their their flocks so we try to sell it in that way uh to say that yeah we're if you're committing to us we're committing to you and i also try to say uh as you would steve i'm a man under authority too i i am far from being the final and sole voice of authority at my church, even though I, I have the role lead pastor, uh, I'm part of an elder team. Um, and I know for a fact, if I went off the reservation, so to speak, these guys are going to pursue me. They'll pursue me. Yeah. I'm yes. glad, glad to know it. Same here. Especially for you. I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So we, um, we, we tried to talk about these things. I, I do think one of the things that makes it challenging in a 21st century context, I mean, imagine you're in uh, a house church in Corinth in the year, you know, what, whatever it is, uh, 78 AD or something. Um, and, uh, you know, there might be three or four house churches in that area because we obviously no buildings, no, no mega churches back then, um, which to your point, Steve, the relationships, you're tight with you know 12 15 20 other believers very much in a in a hostile non-believing environment and they've welcomed you into the family you're participating in the life of the church uh your salvation is being lived out you know day by day and uh all of a sudden you have gone way way off the reservation you've been removed from that church what a huge deal because you don't leave that church and go to First Baptist on the next corner or go one neighborhood over. You know, 
the few churches in Corinth are going to know each other. Yeah. Uh, you're in the minority. So to be removed, I mean, it really has teeth. Yeah, when you're out, you're out, huh? You're out. And I think the goal is, if it's reached that point, it's sort of the final plea. Would you recognize how vulnerable you are, uh, that you've been put out of this fellowship so that your heart might return to the Lord and you repent, etc.? Today, it's it's weird. Um, and I'm not saying it's not worth it. I think it is worth it. But it, there are challenges today because, you know, I hear all the time. Uh, in other words, Steve, the few people that we've come close to at CFC starting down that path. Uh, let me think. I almost started naming names. I'm not going to do that. Nathan, if I do, <laughs> take it out in the post then, please. Uh, even first names. Three. I can think of three. That's all right, all... Greg. You can use my name. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a guy named uh, Nathaniel Ball. Uh, and um, anyway, uh, each of these guys kind of disappeared. And then sometime later, they resurfaced in another church. Hmm. In two of those three cases, I called the pastor of that of those churches. All right. Way to in, go. In, in one of those two cases... The pastor was very receptive. And the other, <laughs> you would have thought I was speaking Russian. He was like, he, get lost, huh? Yeah, he seemed to have no sense why I would call. And I really appreciated the the one pastor. He was, uh, I can say this, it was Charismatic Church, Assemblies of God Church. And yeah, there's going to be some, you know, in-house doctrinal differences between our two churches. But he was so warm, so receptive. Wow. And thanked me and then went on, called a meeting with this guy. And then that guy left that church. Uh, um, so I felt at least the process was working in some sense as it should. Uh, but it's hard. Wouldn't you say, Steve, with all the denominational breakdown today? Yeah, we're certainly not in the same day that you described in Corinth. And plus, you have the litigious nature of our day. Yes. And um, you know, we worry about that, right? I really don't want a lawsuit. Yes. Character defamation yes. or whatever would be based on. Doesn't does sound like fun. Do you guys think part of it too um, has a lot to do with the Western Westernizing? I guess that's a word of Christianity. Um, I mean, I almost you know I think about places like Ethiopia or uh, places like China. Yeah, China, you know for sure, where you have underground churches and you know you're you're in a uh, close. Uh, you know, family with people, you know, and you're, you're depending on them, you know, uh, life and limb, literally, you mm. know, you're in the oh, churches yeah. together. Um, you know, Ethiopia, not quite as bad, but still, you know, heavily populated, uh, Muslim nation. Um, and you know, so there's still, there's repercussions and, you know, you still have people who are traveling miles, you know, to go to their, their nearest church building. Um, you know, and so I just, you know, I think about where we are in America and, um, you know, it, I, I just think, you know, if anything were to, to happen, you know, yeah, I could, I could go down, you know, two, three miles. I mean, Greg, you know, where, where I'm located here in Perry Hall versus where I attend church up in Forest Hill, you know, that's a good 30 minute drive, Sure. you know? And so if, if that process were to begin and I just disappeared, you know, th that proximity is just not going to do anything. Right. You know, right. Very good point. No, I, I think Nathan, you're, you're onto it. I think the, the Westernization 
of the church, uh, while it has some tremendous opportunities in this day and age, I mean, the, uh, the, the ease with which we can advertise, particularly in the, the internet, uh, era, I mean, there's some great things. There are some detrimental things and, um, yeah, it is different too. Cause I think that's a good point. Nathan. It's most churches today for, I think tend to be regional, particularly Steve, I think of where you guys are located. They're a cornerstone. I mean, you're, you're near a major, you know, highway, Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that allows people pretty quick and easy access from several points. Yep. Uh, I'm sure if you drew the, the map around the push pins in your, uh, you know, regional map, you could find a concentrated area in Abingdon or Bel Air. Um, but most churches today are regional, you know, and I think, um, a lot of people find churches today via the internet. Um, and they might be looking for a certain type of preaching or a certain vision of ministry or type of worship. And they, they do a little research, happens all the time, and they might drive 30, 40 minutes, particularly, um, you know, on a Sunday. And, uh, yeah, I agree. It changes the nature of things. I think in the first century church, it, it was spatial proximity, but it was also cultural proximity. These are the people that you you lived within uh, very close distance of. You might have worked with uh, shopkeepers and mothers that lived in the same area that helped raise their children together. Uh, very different today with everybody so fractured. Uh, any any thoughts on that, Steve? Well, yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. Um, I'm sorry, but I was daydreaming and thinking about a different topic. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so I'm going to jump in and say, here's what I was thinking about. Uh, it relates remotely. Um, so I, I'm just sitting here being troubled by that pastor of that church telling you, yeah, we just decided not to do it. Yeah, and I'm troubled by other churches that don't practice church discipline, and I'm wondering what's going on inside their pastors' heads. Like, yeah. I'm assuming they, they read their Bible. I don't want to get sarcastic. Do they even read their Bible? I mean, right, but right. it's so plain, and it surfaces quite a number of times in the New Testament. If you yeah. ever read through your Bible once, you're going to bump into it six times, maybe in the New Testament. How sure. can you just? How can you be a pastor and not do anything about that? I don't, I, I don't get it. It's kind of scary. And maybe yeah. it's, you know, maybe it's, uh, well, it's not good for church growth. It'd, you know, it'd be it'd make trouble. Uh, we don't want to do that in our day, but you know, are we sold out to scripture or what? Are we willing yeah. to live with consequences to obeying Christ or what? Uh, yeah. it just uh, says bad things about the church in our day. Huh? And I'm not a curmudgeon. I'm not a broad brush, you know, complainer about all those apostate churches out there, but man, how can they not be doing church discipline? Yeah, it uh, particularly, Steve, I think the way we've talked about this in one other context, is if you understand church discipline as sort of just, uh, again, I view it as part of loving people. I don't view it as, hey, we have this separate category that we keep in this dark, scary closet yeah. called church discipline. <laughs> have these whips you know? over here. <laughs> yes, yes. And every so often we're going to we're going to open up Crack. a kind of whoop ass on you. Uh, <laughs> oh, sorry. Can I say that? Nathan? <laughs> yeah, I'm a guest now. <laughs> we're going to open up a can of church discipline whoop ass on you and and bring you, you know, uh, into this horrible kind of place. I mean, it's just a natural function of leadership, discipleship, love. And again, that parenting analogy. I mean, right. We, we discipline our kids because we love our kids. Usually. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sometimes we discipline some uh, good buddy of mine, I got to say, who is a wonderful father, really is. Um, and he's, he's got great kids and they've, uh, 
you know, they, they've had their share of challenges like every parent. But I remember the one time he told me he uh, I don't know if he spanked or if he he took away, uh, pardon me, something from his kid that they were going to do an event. And the kid could push his buttons. And he told me, he goes, Greg, I think I enjoyed disciplining him way too much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's I said, yeah, bad. That, that's probably a sign. When you're enjoying it, you're probably <laughs> Something not wrong. So, uh-huh. yeah, and I would just view it. See, isn't part of helping people? I mean, I mean, when you think about it, I think of First Thessalonians, right? When when Paul says, um, you know, how the report has gone out from you in you know the wider region, Macedonia, Achaia, how you turn from idols to serve the living God, right? beautiful description of conversion yeah. so in a sense we're saying we're helping these these irreligious people these non-christian folks they've found christ they've met christ they've laid down their idols and then what's the rest of it it's discipleship it's teaching them to understand the lord's voice in their life who what god's telling them about who they are in christ what he's calling them to be and do and um along the way you know hey this this guy decides you know what i don't really want to be faithful to my wife anymore and i'm going to I'm going to shack up with this uh, woman that I'm, uh, you know, that I've been seeing uh, in in this business venture. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like it's a separate category. Of the church, okay, as we continue to to teach you to follow Christ, as we continue to help shepherd you and guide you, uh, we've got a a real obstacle here. We need to help you overcome. I I think some people view church discipline as that separate break the glass emergency. Mm. Um, category uh instead of just the natural function of christian discipleship and uh you're right steve it is kind of shocking like i'm like well what what do you do though when people are completely repudiating the faith that they profess they're hurting other people they're hurting the church they're bringing shame to the name of christ and the cause like what do you what do you do i I guess they just let them do it huh yeah yeah it seems so here's yeah. an interesting thing that we've run. We are running into this a lot. We were in a, we're in a nice place where we have a, a lot of new folks showing up at our church. Like every week, there are a lot of faces I do not recognize. I don't know who those people are. It's a nice, nice thing to, to have. Um, but then we'll have, you know, a lot of them are sticking. So people stick. And we have had quite a number of couples. And maybe they have four kids. And two of them are hers from a former. And two of them yep. are his from this one. Whatever, whatever. And what we find out. They're not married. Yes. Are you having some of that? We're having a we've, lot of that. We've had it uh, a lot. Yes. Yeah. It, it comes and, up normally in a staff meeting, elders meeting. Uh, Mark, our XP, who has it, says, a uh, little issue here. Yeah. Uh, you, right. Yeah. You see uh-huh. the two different last names. You don't see the rings and you see the same address sometimes and, and, and from people odd. that are writing checks. Because yeah. often... They, in our case, they seem to be really spiritually alive people. Like they're excited yes. about Christ. They're excited about growing. They're excited about the church they've found. They want to be yeah. in a small group. They're interested in fellowship. But oh, we're not married. Um, so yeah. you know, we don't get out the church discipline manual that day, right? Right. There's got to be a process here. We got to be patient with these people and help them get from here to there. Uh, yeah. And if they're working with us in that process, we feel like all right, this is good. This is fine. If if at some point they dug in their heels and said, you know, well, screw you guys, forget it, we're going to do whatever we want, yeah. then then we might have a different issue. But we've been dealing with that a lot, man. Yeah, yeah, no. I, in, in fact, Steve, I think that's a, yeah, I think it's a healthy sign. I mean, in one sense, 
if if you're if you're committed to reaching lost people, right? You got to expect some mess. It's going to be messy. Yeah. It's almost like there's no mess. I'm like, then are we just kind of churching the church here? Yeah. Uh, where people just kind of know, well, hey, yeah, we, we're not going to do anything scandalous. I mean, our junk will be like most people kind of behind closed doors, but we're going to stay married. We're going to have the same last name. We're going to do that. But I think when you're really reaching people, and Steve, have you found too in that? I think you've already answered it, but I'll just kind of tease it out a little more. Um, I am learning more and more that sexual ethics uh, are not caught naturally. They're not assumed. And I think one of the reasons you have so much emphasis on sexual purity in the New Testament is because it was back then very much like it is today. Like right? today, yes. I think people don't even think – I've talked to people in my office that are kind of shocked that God has a statement on their – Sexual activity. (laughs) (laughs) Like he cares about that? Really? Yes. And it's not even Uh, like it's met initially with hostility, but curiosity. Um, And I think, again, that's the teaching function of the church, you know, that we teach. Hey, this is what God says about marriage. It's between one man and woman, not not one man and five women or (laughs) or three men and two women. uh, But I think it's so rampant today. And you're right. I think people are genuinely meeting Christ. And in some cases, don't even know. I love your point, Steve, too, about the patience. I think that you're right. It, it, to me, it's Nathan on a podcast we did recently. It might even air after this one. Um, we were talking right about when do you um, like like at a funeral? Yeah. Um, somebody comes up, you know, to me and 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 I don't think the person was a believer. There's no evidence that they were who's passed away. But a grieving family member says, well, Pastor, I, I'm so glad he's in a better place. <laughs> now, is that the point where you say, well, actually, uh, <laughs> I, think, I think there's no evidence. Let's I talk about the Roman road here. here. Yeah, Let's yeah, open exactly. the Bible here. You, start, you, you know, Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else in the New Testament. And this is where your your loved one probably is. Of course not. You know, there's but it does mean you notice it. Uh, and probably you look, depending on the context for the opportunity, when they're in your church. Hey. Love to talk to you. Let's get together. Talk about this. And you don't have to go in with Thor's hammer pounding on people. You invite them to ask. I think the most natural question is, hey, talk to me about that. What's your understanding of your relationship with this woman? Hmm. Um, You know, and just let them talk. And then you bring the Bible to bear on it. Um, And see, it seems right. I mean, this I get a little tricky, but Matthew 18 has no explicit timetable. So it's a process, isn't it? It's a process, and there's probably some common sense consensus among most Christian leaders that, hey, uh, yeah, five years till you get to that is probably too long. Five seconds is probably too short. Uh, so it's, too soon. it's got a, there, There's some wiggle room to me. Your case, that case might coming on along. Case by so... case. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, hey, listen, I'm going to confront them as soon as they have their third kid. Um <laughs> Hey, you know, by the way, that, that that just reminds me for some reason. Wonder what you think, what you guys think of this, and what you practice at Christ Fellowship. Um, there aren't many things that we vote on in our church. There are some things yeah. that constitutionally we've decided we'll we'll submit that to a vote because we don't want to go ahead with that unless we know that we know that there's large agreement on this. Otherwise, there could sure. be church trouble. Church discipline yeah. is one of those. We we submit it to the members for a uh-huh. vote because. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd suggest one of the last things you ever want to do is have a case of church discipline, go all the way to the goalpost, and then you find out most of your people don't agree with you. 
or uh, a lot of people don't agree with you or they're not convinced yeah. or they think you're just being a bully or a heavy-handed shepherd or something, man, talk about how to bust up a church and destroy wow. things. So uh, wow. I, I'd suggest – I know it's not in Scripture. Scripture doesn't say, well, you should have a vote. and blah, But I'd suggest good idea, man. Better find out somehow. Are you sure you have a consensus? Better at least have a meeting and have a big consensus conversation. Yeah. Are you all okay with this? Here's why. Brief, brief, brief points about here's what's going on. And time for Q and A and all that. Do you guys do anything like that? Interesting, you ask again, Steve. It's, uh, it's to be theoretical. It's not gotten to that point mm-hmm. uh, where it's gone to the, the wider membership. But that is, the, I think, what Matthew eighteen says. That's kind of the end of the line. Telling right? it to the and church. Yeah. Yeah. So when the church knows, so we've talked about that. Our actually bylaws do address it. We understand the membership to be truly the members, not visitors, not guests not regular attenders even. And I understand churches can make that call, you know, as, as they, as they are led. That's how we've defined it. It would be the membership. I can say at my former church uh, where we did take this a couple of times, the entire way, what we did is uh, we didn't do a vote, Steve, but in the same spirit, and it's sort of the way we lead here at CFC. We, uh, when it got to that point, we informed interactively is how we did it. It was sort yeah, of a that does part, part in informing and part interaction for the same reason, because, you know, and we found in the case, we did remove a man who was beloved, who was respected. Um, now, a lot of people didn't know what we knew, which is often the case. So you're walking that line, but I will say, see, I, I could see that a vote kind of being a determining factor on uh, making yeah, sure it's one that way the to congregation do it. is, yeah, is and the way is, you described is it, another way to do it, and I like them both. Oh, sure, so, sure. Just so uh, somehow now, you know, we got the people's consciences on this. We're not blowing our church up. Yes, yes. Now, Lisa, when we were dating, my then fiance, I guess, uh, we uh, she was in a church that practiced church discipline, and I saw two occasions that came before the congregation. Um, it was awkward and weird. Uh, now, let me just tell you why. And I was really? a Christian at that point huh. in seminary. Uh, my personal view is I'm not a big fan of doing it on Sunday morning. Oh, absolutely not. But they did. Totally agree. They did? Like in the church service, huh? Dude, it was the very end of the church service. So it was kind of like, hey, now that we've heard the word of God, we've taken communion, we've taken the offering, before the benediction. uh, (laughs) We have this little matter here. And they would. And in one case, they called up a young lady. Um, Well, that's a whole other story who – she was who the, had been sexually active. She was the disciplinee, and they called her up. They called her up. Um, wow! It was a strange moment. Another time, a Awkward. person had left, so they did it. And I, my first thought is, that's where I'm kind of with this pastor I talked to, not on his complete take, but just thought, yeah, I, to me, it's a family matter. Yeah, and um, that's right. We all have family matters, right? And if yeah. somebody asks you something, Steve, about one of your kids that you think they don't need to know, you'll f- probably find a delicate way and sometimes a less delicate way to say, Hey, uh, that's not really your business it's above your <laughs> yeah, pay grade. Yeah. That's me, my wife's, uh, our children. That's who's talking about this. And, uh, in, in many ways, Nathan, that was your point with the whole Tully controversy, right? Yeah. That, yeah. We didn't speak for those people that knew all the information. Right. And we said, Hey, there's people in Tullian's life that, know what's going on far more than we do. Right. They have access to information they're probably never going to share and rightfully shouldn't share. Right. Um, and we kind of trust that. So, yeah, I think church discipline should be handled kind of in that 
careful way. Yeah, but obviously, Steve, you're with me. That's isn't it strange to do it on a Sunday morning? Um, that would, I guess that would just be terrible. I guess part of it, they they might say, well, we're going to show the purity of the gospel to a watching world. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm yeah. not convinced. Can I let me throw some things out at um yeah. at you guys um, church discipline wise because you know I've been I've been thinking about this concept like I said I've over the past several months I've been encountering different people who have been going through this process and I, it, it's interesting I, I've gotten the question on several occasions have you ever done a podcast on church discipline Steve you were talking to mm. me you know, was it, was it uh, me or Greg that came up with this topic? And I said, I think it was me. And it was for this reason, Hmm. Um, because I had many people just asking me about this. And so I thought, well, okay, we've never done an official podcast on this. So why don't we go ahead and we'll, you know, we'll dedicate a good bit of time to it. And so my question is, how should I, as a member, be viewing or looking in on church discipline? Because to me, um, I feel like it's a lot of other, I hate to use the word business, but it's a lot of other, like, like a lot of other church affairs or like a lot of other church business until I need to know, you then you don't I, need to know. I don't need to know. That's right. You know, and, and I feel like if I trust my elders, if I trust the people who are in charge, then they are going to let me know. And if I don't mm-hmm. trust them, then really I shouldn't be at the church to yeah. begin with. Ah, um, great, great, great. You know, and so for me, I just feel like, you know what, if if there are issues going on, you know, and, and Greg, we Joy and I have been at CFC for six or seven years now, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And um, I guarantee in that time, the process of church discipline has been going on. I couldn't sure. tell you of any time or anyone that this has happened to. And to me, yeah. I feel like, okay. Because it didn't go to that final because, stage of right. tell it to the church. Right. And yeah. I didn't need to know on the interim. Yep. The only way you might know about one ahead of that is if you're the guy who initiated it or you're one of the two or three, right. you're one of the two or three who was taken along right. on the or, second trip to be a witness. Or yes. if it's happening to someone that I know yes. and I'm close with that person. They talk to you about it. But, but at the same time, you know, um, Greg, you and I talked about this at one point. You know, let's say – Let's say somebody came to you with information about your good friend, Matt Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, there, the, those people are not going to be able to really say or do anything that's going to get you to turn on him. Sure. E- even if they provide overwhelming evidence of some scandalous thing. You know, he's your yeah. friend. He's someone sure. you've lived life with. Um, but at the end of the day, I also view my elders and the leadership as, you know, I – yeah, I don't need to give up my friendship with this person if they are involved in this sin, but I also don't need to turn my back on a church. And sometimes you see people taking up the cause of other people. Oh, all the time. You know? Yeah. And to me, I think that's that's a dangerous place to be in too. You know, that as a yeah. member, I'm sort of loosely involved in this process simply by the fact that my friend's involved in this process and I'm getting all of his information – I'm getting his side of the story, um, and I don't have a chance to hear and see the full scope of it all. But I'm going to yeah. take up his cause, and I'm going to get indignant when he's indignant, and, and possibly, and, and I'm sure this has happened, even leave the church when this person leaves the church. Oh, yeah. Sure. 
you know, yeah. and that's, that's an unhealthy place to be in as well. Um, yeah. your thoughts, your thoughts yeah. on that guys. Great stuff. Steve, you, you take the first crack at it. Uh, I don't really have anything to say. I, I agree with what you're saying. <laughs> that's good. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, um, yeah, I mean, uh, to your earlier point, the church discipline done well, you shouldn't know about it the way, um, and when it comes out, I think the healthiest reaction is shock because you had no idea unless, as Steve said, maybe you're one of the people involved in some early confrontations, um, you know, in a very private way. But, yeah, we have to work hard to, to protect, I think, the privacy of people, because let's take the most typical uh, example of like, we've kind of referenced tonight. Usually we tend to think church discipline, adultery, sort of unrepentant um, without remorse adultery where the guy's just rushing headlong into this uh, other woman's arms abandoning his wife his children i mean think of the people that are are going to be harmed in that if you're not careful with how you handle the information yeah. um you know i mean the kids the kids uh mm-hmm. you know kids especially you know that oh this is dad that's being talked about you got a middle school kid in a youth group who's got friends that hey did you hear you know i hear that the elders are really going after so-and-so's dad. And, uh, you know, I mean, you, those things matter. And uh, we want to, uh, again, it, it's such a careful process that it is truly the last resort when it becomes public. And then when it becomes public, it is really up to those leaders on how to communicate it in a loving, clear, direct, but loving, sensitive way that supports the the parties that have been, um, that have been harmed. This happened to me um I can say this, that the man I mentioned at my former church, one of the most difficult meetings I've ever had. And I, all I can say, guys, is God gave grace. I wanted to share this story tonight. Um, he really gave grace because this man that we removed um, turned on me, especially. I was at that place, you know, the senior pastor was my title there. He was mad at all of us, but he was especially angry with me. And I think hmm. came to the conclusion that I had it in for him. I had treated him unfairly. I didn't give him a hearing. Um, he said incredibly nasty things. Hmm. Um, on one occasion, Lisa miscarried. This was in between our first and second child. And that was kind of congregationally known because it was far away. Uh, one of my other elders, I was copied on this email, had said, you know, to this gentleman that, you know, unfortunately, Pastor Greg's gone through a significant trial and kind of explained what happened with the baby. And uh, this man wrote back and never acknowledged that, uh, mm. you know, anything tragic had happened. Very mm-hmm. passive aggressive, very, very cruel. He had said some nasty things, threatened to, um, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Steve, in this uh, this uh, litigious age. He had threatened to sue us for uh, you know, defamation of character. It was ugly, smug, arrogant, and it never, to this day, turned out the way we had hoped. Wow, um, to this day. Fast forward about a year later, he's gone. He's been put out. We informed the congregation. Um, I uh, Then that marriage broke apart. Um, I'm having lunch with one of his sons who is about 20 years old. And uh, man, I try not to ball here, guys, but we had this very tender conversation. This young man respected me. And um, I asked him if he wanted to talk to me about anything. And he, he wanted to talk about his dad with me. And um, all I can say, guys, is there was a, a huge fleshly temptation in my heart 
to kind of aid and abet this young man to dislike his dad. Mm. Um, huh. And all I can say, it, it, that's just me. That's my flesh. That's my sin. That's my ugliness. God trumped all that. And it just enabled me to talk about how important it is that he love his father and respect his father and do whatever he can to maintain that father son connection. And, uh, you know, I just talked all about my father, uh, in that lunch. And I said, you know, I can't imagine, um, not having the kind of relationship with my father that I have. We're so tight. We're so close. Uh, we can share about everything. Um, so that, that's just, that situation always made me think of, well, the collateral damage in church discipline, Mm -hmm. particularly when it ends poorly. Um, you know, and just how the church or pastors and leaders have to come alongside people because it was, uh, yeah, this this guy in the process hurt me pretty deeply um, and uh, was pretty unkind and directed most of his vitriol towards me. And I think, Steve, to your point earlier, you know, when you mentioned, well, unless you're one of the two or three, you know how that's often one of the most misused verses, right? We That's an easy one for preachers to use. Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And the corrective there is, well, that's in the context of Matthew 18 church discipline uh and the, the the two or three seem to be the two or three witnesses that go to help establish the matter and confront yes. the sinning brother and i find that now steve so interesting because having lived through it a few times as you have too i've often why is jesus telling us that hey my presence my imprimatur is there when you're doing this and i personally think it's because it's hard Hmm. And it ta- it takes courage hmm. to do it. And Jesus is saying, and I, that's how I take it, I know it's hard, but I'm there, and I'm blessing this process, um, you know, a- a- on earth as it is in heaven, so to speak. And that uh, that verse took on tremendous meaning for me in that incident, that there were times I just thought, what am I doing? Particularly that time I was making little money. <laughs> huh. Um you know, we're, we're having, you know, we, Lisa had miscarried. I'm like, I got this angry man who is threatening all sorts of things that could bring about harm that there were times I just thought, man, just throw in the towel and let this thing go. Um, and I think for that clear word of Jesus to say, I'm there when you're in this messy work of confronting someone in their sin and trying to get them back on the path, uh, I'm there. I'm blessing this. This is my idea. Sorry for the sermon, guys, but I uh, good I had stuff, to man. Yeah, that's good stuff. So yeah. let me tell you about one that that ended well, but then got kind of weird. Okay. So we had a husband and wife. Husband messed up. He found himself a lover, and yep. then he disappeared. He didn't want to come back to his wife. He actually moved to another state. They wound up getting divorced. Time passed. The wife, still in our church, wound wound up marrying another man in our church. So now they're happily married. Then her former husband came back to us, the pastors, and said, I repent. I'm so sorry. I I was all wrong. Thank you for pursuing me. I I want to be back with Jesus, and I'd like to be back in this church. Would would that be okay? So we we heard him out, and we told him, yeah, 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 you're you're forgiven. We removed the excommunication. You're welcome to come back in the church. So he did. So he started worshiping with us. So now you've got his, his, his former wife. She's remarried. So you have that couple sitting there, and then you have him. But he started sitting. They were all good friends. He started sitting wow. with the two of them in worship. 
But sometimes her new husband would like be out tending to something else somewhere in the building. And so you'd have the former husband sitting next to his ex-wife. Wow. And the service is underway. And it was just weird, man. It was wow, weird. So I wonder if, wonder what you think of this. We actually talked to him and said, um, you need to sit like a couple rows behind and five seats over. Yeah. yeah. It was just yeah. too weird. Yeah. Do you think? No, we did I right agree. Dude. Common sense. You're bringing. Yeah. Cause yeah. Somebody said, where's the chapter and verse on that? I'd say it's the same place that you should wash your hands after, uh, <laughs> you know, after using the bathroom. It's, uh-huh. it's that same place. It's uh common sense. Um, no, see, that is one of the strangest. But I love that. That doesn't that capture how messy ministry is. Yes, but it's also it's wonderful. Just, you know, wonderful that he came back, and, and that they were able to be friends. They're still friends. Wow, so that was pretty cool. Wow. No, that's a great, great story. It's um, the other one that that I wanted to hear. This is in the weird zone. Forgive me, Nathan. You can police me here if I've shared this. This was sort of a short-circuited church discipline story. So I know this guy who pastored a church uh, about an hour south of here. He's a great guy. Uh, church is no longer in existence. It just it was a hard work where the place he was uh, serving. And uh, but for about four or five years, he had this little church going. He it was him and two other elders. Um, and uh, one of the guys uh, was a uh, a widower. And. Um, you know, I, I feel like I've told this story, so forgive me, guys, if I have, but it just ties in here. They, um, uh, the pastor and his wife are having dinner one night um, with a couple that's new to the church, and somehow the topic of the other two elders come up, and I'll call this this elder who is a widower, Bruce. And um, they said, yeah, it's uh, funny. I finally got to meet Bruce's wife uh, the other night. You know, we had this neighborhood uh, <laughs> cookout or something, and. And, uh, you know, my friend here says, no, are you talking about Bruce, you know, Jones or, yeah, this fictitious name? And um, they're like, oh, yeah, 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 met his wife, lovely lady. And they said, uh, no, no, that there's got to be confusion here. And he said, Bruce, Bruce's wife passed away. She's she's a widower. And um, sure enough, they're going home. So there's got to be some miscommunication. So he starts doing a little research talks to some other people and apparently this elder that he's worked with now for a couple of years has a wife uh, oh man so they, they call him in you know he and the other elder to the office and like hey bruce this is a strange thing to talk about uh but i want to talk to you about something i heard and he says bruce i was told that you have a wife and her name is you know janet or something and um his entire countenance changes you know, uh, he says he knows in that moment. Uh, gotcha. It, it, they entered the twilight zone. There was no turning back. Wow. And um, he said, yes, I do. And he and the other elder look at each other, kind of wait for him to own more. He doesn't say anything. And they were like, well, Bruce, uh, you told us your wife was dead. And he says, well, she is dead spiritually. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're kidding. <laughs> no, can you believe this? So he said, you know, never. This is a mature man who knows the word, um, who kind of represented himself. And he was, said it was a lesson. Hey, I talk about not doing your vetting properly. I put this guy in a yeah, spot. Obviously, he never wow. Took a wow. But this guy, it proceeds. It was going towards church discipline. And sure enough, one of the things that harmed this little church was this guy pulled back huh. 
and got a little nucleus around him uh, and basically convinced people that uh, the pastor and the other elder were mistreating him. Yeah. Uh, he never lied. They misinterpreted what he what he said about his life. They weren't showing him compassion. So <laughs> I thought, man, you can't surprise me anymore, although you probably can. I hate to say um, it, but he just sounds like a snake, man. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, to to, to misrepresent you, to have a wife that you, in essence, And for I, a couple years, <laughs> and you're an elder. And, and, and this I know is really this is bad. I heard of. This guy told me this story in vivid detail, and I said, dude, I, I, I can't even imagine it. Uh, wow. The stuff that happens in in church life. and um, But it did come up. One of you guys said earlier, I think I, uh, you mentioned this, Nathan. What's tricky about it, one of the reasons church discipline takes courage is, come on, we live in a, a democratic, and I don't mean politically democratic. I mean, you know, democratic in the truest independent sense. Right. Day and age, everybody gets a vote. People are uh, mistrustful of leadership to begin with. And uh, when you bring something heavy, it's often just the natural response is to push back, to take up the side of the person who's been harmed, quote unquote. Um, so it's a hard thing to do. And I think to, to go you know, bring it full circle. Um, and I'm with you, Steve, this pastor that told me this. I, I think some of it, not the bulk of it, comes down to a lack of courage. Hmm. Um it's just it's a hard thing to do because man, wouldn't it just be easier? We don't have to deal with people getting mad at us for picking on this guy. We don't have to deal with tense meetings and angry fallout. Um, and life can just be a lot simpler and more peaceful if we don't do it. And until you uh, read your Bible and look in the mirror at yourself, <laughs> right? Exactly. Right? You know, yep. yeah, that's where you say, well, you're right. Jesus promised us that we wouldn't have any adversity. <laughs> um, and didn't he say in this oh, world, man. you will have no trouble. That's right. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So, oh, my word. Great story, man. man. Yeah. I thought you guys would, would dig that guys. This has been, uh, this has been great. And, um, you know, Steve, if you're open, I, you know, I think, um, cause I know that there's a lot of other things that I would have liked to have addressed in the context of church discipline, you know, even regarding pastors and elders and, uh, you know, Greg, we, we touched on this with the Tullian thing, but the finality of some of those things with pastors and elders mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, maybe going more into depth on some of those things and actually looking at what scripture says. I'd enjoy that part. Yeah. Let's, let's turn to some of the passages and talk about what's in yeah. there. And, yeah. 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 Like for example, in the Matthew 18, uh, you know, there's the, there's like four steps, right? The final step is tell it to the, let them be to you like a heathen and a publican, tell it to the church. And if they won't hear the church. Yep. So uh, when they're going to be a heathen and a publican, does that mean they're a heathen and a publican? Like Jesus hung around with heathens and publicans. So you ah, can, or yeah. does that mean you want nothing to do with them? They're not allowed right. to come anymore. Yeah. What, what does that mean? There's things like that to iron out. Uh, yeah. Matthew 18 are those steps, do they fit all circumstances? I don't think they do. We could talk about that in the future. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So lots more to bring up, guys. This was, yeah, great this questions. Was awesome. Great questions. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Greg, I know uh, I know things are crazy busy for you and for you as well, Steve. Um, so we're going to go ahead. We're going to wrap things up now. Gentlemen, we just rocked the Casbah. Church Rock discipline it. style. Yeah. <laughs> These go to 11.